okay. older. But that's not much. I, was, I started out being a hippie as soon as I was born. <laughs> oh, I want to hear about that. You were born a hippie. I was. I was born a fashion hippie. Okay, that's even better. Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. I got okay. so much to ask you. <laughs> I do. That's a leading question. It makes me feel old. <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat with you, my friend, and we're both not old, so we're in, we're in good shape. Well, that's good. We're in good shape. All right. Um, I want to come right out and say first thank you for doing this show. It's, oh. a, it's an honor for me to have you here. It really is. Your store is an institution in Pittsburgh, and I mean a good institution. <laughs> And it was funny because uh, when Naomi um, get, brought the idea up, and, and I said, well, I know that store. And she goes, well, of course you know that store. And then I, then I started to, the reason I was t- telling many people that you're making appearance. And some men, but of course, all the females I mentioned it to, knew of the store. <laughs> That's amazing to me. You know, younger and, you know, uh-huh. our age. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I commend you on that. That's, you really have, you have an institution in this town. Thank you, you may not feel it, but I mean, you do. I, I, I do, yeah, <laughs> but only good. because of the number of years that I've right. been there, and that's right. that's what makes um, the institution. If you can, if you can hang in there. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, Eighty-seven was the day you opened your door, or the year you opened your door. Is that about right? Yeah. Generally. Yes. Eighty-seven. Yeah. Eighty-seven. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thirty-two years ago. Is that right? Yeah, thirty-two. Can I ask you how what led up to that? Like, like, give me an idea of. Um, we'll do. It, we'll go a little deeper, but but just what was the idea? Were you already in the fashion business, the fashion world, and what made you decide to open up the store? Mm. I was already in the fashion world. I started out in the fashion world as soon as I was able to work. Okay. I don't know if I maybe fifteen. Okay. I started working at boutiques. Um, you know, right after school and in the evenings and all through school and um, and all through college. And I just was always into fashion and I knew that one day I would have my own store. You just knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You yeah. just knew it. Yeah, I could feel it. And that's why I just wanted to, you know, work as much as I could in stores to see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The when you so when you first noticed fashion as a teenager, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Uh, was there any particular designer that that stuck out, or designers that you really liked? Oh, that's a good question. Back then, I don't. I can't remember. I remember Madonna was our big my big first impression. I think. Okay. She wasn't a designer, but she was a, sure. a fashion um, indicator. And um, I don't, I don't, I can't say one specific designer. I can tell you the um, the way it grew, okay, and how things developed, sure, um, to get to this point. But, right, right, right. Um, that would be probably the best way to describe it. Overall, do you think fashion? Uh, if you had to put a definition on that, which is a big question i get that but 
would you feel it all, it all comes down to being parochial? What do you actually like? And is it come back to the individual and what they really like and feel comfortable wearing? Is that the definition of fashion? No. What's the definition of fashion? <laughs> See, this is why I asked the question because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the definition of fashion to you, to you? is what you see in the media. <laughs> that's what that's what you are given, and that's what you're told is the fashion. So, okay. I mean, you really end up believing and or just knowing anything. You can't know it unless you see it. It's always something new. Okay. So okay. when you see something new um, in the media or wherever you see it, it's it's jarring a little bit at first because you're not used to whatever they're showing you. Okay. It's so avant-garde. And then after you see it a few more times and a few more times, your eye gets adjusted, your mind gets adjusted, and then it becomes part of everyday fashion yeah there's it's hard to argue against that because <laughs> um, I can look at the course of my life and looking at women's fashion and seeing things that just crop up that are trends trends and they may at times I might just shake my head and just say case in point I thought high waist jeans when I was a teenager was mm -hmm. little. It is what it is. Women wore high waist jeans that was the th I mean the Brooke Shields era early uh -huh, 80s right, right? And then I really liked when the jeans were lower cut. Mm -hmm. I liked that style, and I liked where they had the bell bottoms were uh -huh. flared out. Yeah. And that kind of. And then now we're back to the high waist jeans again. Mm -hmm. And when it first started to happen a couple years ago, I said it's not going to catch. It, that that <laughs> that will never come back. I said no way. Sure enough, it came back. Fashion so, is cyclical. It is cyclical, huh? Yes, and it it's the reason it's cyclical is because. After your eye adjusts to the new look, which instead of being bell bottoms and low waist, is high waist and slim bottom. Mm -hmm. Once you get adjusted to that, that's all you want, and you get comfortable in it, and okay. everyone, you know, just gets their groove on and that kind of thing. Right, right. And right. then they think, well, you know, oh, I'm, I'm comfy. This is what it is. Okay, and that's my style. So and it becomes acceptable because of repetition. Like mm -hmm. we see so much of it. Right. Do you think? Yes. Yes. Hmm. And then, um, and then when then when something else comes out, so um, uh, jarring. All that's of a sudden, they're word. showing. That's a great word, though, because <laughs> that was the word I was searching for when leading up to this. I'm thinking I can't get this word to explain because runway stuff. Runway. To the average guy saying. like me, mm -hmm. looking at runway things are you know there's. Um, in a runway show, let's just go all over the board. When a runway show. Some really wild stuff you see. Uh -huh. How much of that stuff makes it out to mainstream America? Very little. A, a runway show is really meant to show the most extreme look of what you want to show. Okay. If what you want to stand for is okay long dresses, then you're going to make your dresses so long on the runway that they're going to be spilling up behind you interesting okay. you know and if you're going to make your statement as short then they're going to be micro okay. and um no matter what your statement is they um exaggerate it to a point that's crazy and that's how they make the awe on the okay on the runway those are the photos that make the magazines because it's they're so exaggerate or out there right out there, in yeah. the vernacular. and that's how they that's what their job is is to um, go to the most extreme so people can look at it and see it at Would first. Would the word be shock? And they'll be shocked. <laughs> and then 
you know, then it gets edited down through buyers and um, manufacturers. It gets edited down to a, a look, but not as extreme. Okay. That's how fashion happens. Something more, more palatable, like uh, maybe striving toward something more palatable to the public. Edgy, yeah. but not to the point where it's too right. far to reach. That's right. It's it's editing. You know, they edit it. It's it. It can't be um, too extreme for the regular person, or it mm -hmm. won't sell. You have to sell these things. <laughs> yes, yes, and we're going to talk about that too. You have both sides of the equation in your regard. I mean, yes. you you can appreciate all of this avant garde things and things that you like. But again, we talked about. You know, my my only association with this, and I hope there's a correlation, is when I was in the guitar business, there were many designs I liked. I thought they were cool, the body shapes and all that. But I had to step back mm. and realize, is this going to be palatable to a mass of people that will actually afford me doing it? <laughs> and that's a tough. Yeah. And, I, and I made some I made some bad decisions early on. <laughs> you know, thinking that this was of course because I liked it. Yes. Of Everybody's going to love it. Right. So that's the that's the point I'm making, you know, if you don't edit it, then you're going to miss the boat and you're going to lose all your money because you're going to be <laughs> sitting with things that nobody can buy. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that's happened to me on occasion. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um I feel that the average person, I lump myself in there. Uh, as you can see by the way I dress, there's not much stuff going on here. My <laughs> Thank you. But my my uh, view of it uh, coming from very humble beginnings were that most of the things that were in the big magazine spreads and once in a while my father would get the Sunday New York Times and I'd leaf through mm -hmm. that because I liked you know as a guy I aspired I aspired I envied the Ralph Lauren look to me yeah I can't tell you why back when I was younger it was Lauren and Calvin Klein Oh yeah. yeah. The rest were all out there, but it was like you had to make a decision. Are you going to mm -hmm. go that modern kind of Calvin cleaner Calvin mm -hmm. Klein look, or are you going to go the, the tweed and horsey, pre horsey mm -hmm. preppy? I went the the Lauren thing only, I think, because I was so brand conscious as a as a person. Like, oh, if I could only get that fifty two dollar dress shirt with the horse on it, you know, That's... people will take me seriously. Yes. <laughs> so, but. Can you talk a little bit about Ralph Lauren? Because I wanted to ask you about that. I've always really um, admired that whole company, and I'm sure they've mm -hmm. had their issues. But his story is pretty interesting. I do, you know what? I don't really, I never really delved into it because it was never really my thing. Okay, that's <laughs> that was my question. It was so his. You know, his I whole... admire his work, and I okay, and I you know love his fashions, but it was never anything that I. Um, uh, I was never a buyer of Ralph Lauren. Was it question. was never in my business to to buy that line, but it was something that I looked at and loved. I okay. just don't know the history. So that okay, that's that's fine. So what would be the alternatives from that era? Let's say late seventies, eighties. Seventies, eighties. Um, okay, um, for me and my world, right, right, right. The alternatives would be Norma Kamali. Do you ever hear of her? Yeah. Okay. I sure Norma have. Kamali was the first one to come out with the great big shoulders. Okay. The squared, gigantic shoulders. Late 80s. Uh-huh, 80s. Every movie I saw. It was me middle yeah. 80s. Oh, middle 80s. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lower, okay. lower to middle 80s. Yeah. Okay. She was the first one, and it was, you know, that was very eye-popping and, and avant-garde, but, um, you know. What did you think of that? Your own person. Did you love it? My favorite. Really, my favorite. I loved it. I was such a, I was a big fan. Okay, wore it always, and um, you know, it, there was like a whole, 
I don't know, just a community that liked it. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, and she was very cool and innovative. And um, we would, you know, we would just like to see her shows and mm-hmm. her, her sh- uh, whenever she put out her booth at the at the fashion shows, they were always so right. um, exorbitant. Just, you know, it was great. And that was an example of big shoulders, you know, something new. Mm-hmm. And she had to make them really big for people to take notice. You Initially. Know? So the runway models at that time probably came out with exaggerated shoulders. Yeah, and, and they were probably tall as hell as normal. Sure, sure, sure. And then when you have shoulders out to here, your waist looks as big. Ah, uh, I guess. Okay. So that's why women started to love the padded shoulder look. Okay. They always pared them down to make them look more slender. In the it's almost a ma- it's almost a, a, a masculine yeah an, emula- an emulation of a masculine an yeah. ideal male masculine body which no, I don't yeah. have you know the, the, the you know broad it up was. top and the narrow at the waist it was but at least you got the um, the the sexy narrow waist right and, and the you know and the kind of the bottom was not big at all it was right. you know kind of fitted so you just right it was it was just a look and she created that. Why things are cyclical in fashion is this. Okay. So everyone gets comfortable wearing what they want to wear. And so they're all used to, you know, wearing, as we said before, high-waist jeans and narrow bottoms. And then all of a sudden, um, fashion comes out with low-waist jeans and Uh wide bottoms, say. Well, they have to because why? Because everyone has what they have already, and they've had it for a couple of years. There's no reason to buy anything new. Uh, so there, there, there's the marketing. There's the mystery. <laughs> the marketing mystery is they delve back into something that isn't available to make you it want uh, to make demand for something new. I befriended a buyer for a company called Buckle mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s uh, and I really liked the fact that low waist jeans with a flared bottom came out that was a to me as a guy that was a sexy look yeah. I, I liked it yeah you know me too um, well the, this buyer friend of mine said uh, over cocktails one night I asked I asked her I said so what's the you know what's the she said Eric there's nothing new this was what people were wearing the Woodstock. This is what was in the early seventies. Yeah. You know, the real low waisted jeans, and, and now maybe it might have been like elephant pants. Then they would have been so wide the, the bottoms, but the essence of it was just there. It's just kind of a not a retread, but it was being revisited again. It never comes exactly the same way. So people that think that they should hold on to their clothes because the style will come back, you know, some later time in life. They'll find that there's always a little tweak. Yes. It doesn't look right. Yes. You know? Yes. It'll be the fabrics or the or, or the, the, the shape. I don't know, but something. It, it never comes back exactly right. Sometimes you can fudge it, you know, and, and, and make it look like it could be uh-huh. almost right. Or make it, and then, and then if it doesn't really look right, you say, oh, it's vintage. <laughs> vintage is always in style. So if you wear something that's old and you say yeah, it's vintage, vintage right. then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. And and I think, would you not agree too, like in the 2000s, and maybe it's carried on past that. Or maybe I'm just not paying attention anymore. But the jeans craze, designer jeans really went off the charts like in the 2000s for a while there. We, you say 2000. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it was in the 80s that had it too. Yeah. But I'm saying there was a, I think it was a lull in the 90s and it seemed like it just came really, when I saw people in like 2000s, 
four, six, ten, yeah. nine. What did you know? What jeans did you think they were wearing? Um, oh, like, I know. Like what you uh, mean. MKE, um, um, Rock and Republic. Yeah, Rock and Republic. Um, yes, yes, yes. And, yes. and as a guy looking at women wearing those jeans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah, I was on board. It was low cut. It was the flared mm-hmm. bottoms, and if they wore. Heels with that—that that, mm-hmm. that to me was a good, sexy look for for me. Mm-hmm. And but I was noticing the price. Of some of those jeans were just amazing. But you couldn't argue the cut. You couldn't argue, argue there was something there. Right. Um, well, that that got started. Uh, I think Guess or one of those people. Okay. Back then, um, started really marketing it and the marketing with it. TV and the ads and everything. Okay. So everybody wanted, you know, guess, guess, guess. That, okay. that was the buzzword. And if you had guest jeans, then you were like really rocking it. And then after that, it became um, different names. Now, are you talking about the 2000s or are you talking about the 80s? Because the 80s guest jeans were around. Oh, that's the 80s. Yeah. So that's and how. And Jordache and those companies came yeah. out. Gloria Vanderbilt. No, those are before. Okay. Guess. Okay. That's in the. 70s. Okay, okay. <laughs> but then after the guests re- really showed, I think the guests really showed everyone how, how to market. Interesting. And they were masters at that. And um, after that, the other people would, who I just think that they marketed well. And their name got out there more because of uh, advertising and commercials and I don't know. How, how much... How much is it truly about marketing? Is it all about marketing? I mean, you have the designer and you have the creativity, but but let's face it, if it doesn't get in front of people, um, you know, it's hard to move a product, right? Unless you get a certain unique vibe and it just carries. Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays, I mean, there's nothing that's unique because of the internet. So once something comes out, it's everywhere, basically. I mean, if somebody comes out with something, their own label, and or or any label, um, the first thing they do is go to the internet and show it, okay. and then everyone in the world sees it. So it used to be you would start small, okay, and then people would you know recognize you and develop you and you know advertise or market it. Now it comes out and it's seen by everybody. So the marketing has changed. Okay. Marketing can be the company's marketing. It could be your own marketing. You can market yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and but everyone sees things now that and before they didn't. You can see Got anything it. you want. You you have the entire world at your fingertips to buy mm-hmm. anything that you want to buy. Mm-hmm. And so can, if you have so your shop is competing against the entire world, right? And I yeah. only have this much sampling of my sample of what I think, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everyone else can look on their screen and see. A plethora, it's everything, yes, all, all different ideas mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. So maybe An assortment of anything they want. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, before the web was a big thing, mm-hmm. before web was even around, yeah. there was so there was a process. If, mm-hmm. a, if a designer came up with right. a design, a month or two later there might be a show. Mm-hmm. By the time, that, like you said, the extravagance gets pared down to something palatable, mm-hmm. that's a couple months. Yeah. And there was always the seasons, right? The new look for the fall right. of 2000, That's right. 2007 or like mm-hmm. 1998 or whatever. Right. That is that all gone now? Is that is that because the web just puts everything out there immediately? It's um, it's just faster. 
it's just the pace um, of it. The, it's just out faster. It okay. doesn't. It doesn't have to um, develop anymore. It just once somebody comes out with a new idea, they put it out, and it's seen by millions of people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, the people decide if they like it or not. Before, maybe it was only, uh, for instance, if um, if a new label would come out, designer, they would only choose certain stores in certain areas that could have it. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. This line is exclusive. Only you can, you know, you're, we're asking you to carry this and, and you and you and you. That's smart so, marketing, though. And that was before internet. Okay. Internet. So okay. who, who knew? You know, if you're not a shopper of that store, you really didn't know what that was all about, that line, or, okay. or how important people thought it was or exclusive or whatever sure. you were just privy to be able to go out and see it because you went to that store got it but got now it, as soon it. as something comes out it, nothing's exclusive anymore you just put it out and everyone can have it <laughs> yeah so that the does that maybe deteriorate a bit of the specialness of the stuff yeah well it deteriorates it deteriorates what i stand for which is a boutique where i'm supposed to find special one of a kind unusual things that you can't find everywhere that's mm-hmm. what we always did sure and once the internet came out it's just the, that specialness isn't as special because mm-hmm. things just are just out for anybody now let me ask you this you market to multiple multiple generations i have uh, I have a podcast here with another podcast, the Duffy Woman, uh, uh, Shelly Duffy, a radio personality in Pittsburgh, oh, a long yeah. time. Her two daughters and her do a podcast. Oh. It's pretty irreverent. It's a heck of a lot of fun. Uh-huh. But they'll come on once in a while. <laughs> and Alex, uh, first off, Shelly knows your story very well. Uh-huh. But Al, her daughters, about 30-ish, uh, mm-hmm. Alex and Sarah, yeah. when they heard you were on this show, they begged me to try to convince you to come on a week ago because they wanted to come on with you. They had so many questions for you. Oh. But they were so, so and you got a huge fan, both of them. <laughs> so so at some other point in time, if I can convince you to come back on, I'd like to have Alex and possibly Sarah here too because I think they would add so much. And they, there's so much they want to ask you. But there, there's an example of a, of th- their generation, mm-hmm. and they're so dialed into what you're doing, which I think is a huge compliment to you that Wait. your work is multi-generational. You're talking about a mother and daughter. Well, Shelly, yes, Shelly, Shelly's our age. Aunt mother. And, uh, then and, it, and the daughters. And all all three uh, of them are so dialed into <clears throat> what you're doing. That's such a I, wonderful thing. Uh, that I have, That's what I build my reputation on. It's wonderful, though. <laughs> yeah, so talk about that a little bit. Um, I think it started when, in the beginning, people would come in and, and kind of find out what the store was about and my vibe. And, and since I've been there 32 years, right. I've seen you know the people grow up and get older and mm-hmm. get, then have kids and then the kids have kids and the grandchildren and the parents die and it's just you know it, uh, it goes on and on it's life but um <clears throat> it, the best duo is a mother and daughter shopping at the store i bet it's the best because the daughter is excited to be able to shop right at the store and to be honored enough to her, for her parents to pay for <laughs> whatever she thinks. <laughs> Sorry, Shelly. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but that's, you're so true. That's so true. a big, uh, that's, like, it's like crossing, oh, sure. it's a crossing that you come to when you mm-hmm. can start mm-hmm. um, shopping in a boutique like that. Sure. And then the parent comes and the mother and, and um, we, 
we have things for both, and that, and that's what we do. I mean, that's what the, the biggest part of the business is, is having clothing that for a mother and a daughter. Not young, not not very young daughter, just... And where, where they are, probably 30, 30 years old, oh, that yeah. generation yeah. now? Yeah, younger than that. Yeah, Still yeah, yeah. a little. But, yeah. You know, after college, like college and up is right. mostly it. But that is, that's, a, that's, a tough, that's a tough order for you. I mean, because you're, if you're, if you have clients in their seventies, eighties, all the way down to the mid twenties, and it's and it's viable and it's working for you, you know, to me as an outsider looking <laughs> in, that's that's tremendous. You can't please everyone. True, but true. <laughs> that's the whole point. But you got to know you can't please everyone. You have to just have a niche of something that feels good that isn't. Um, off the charts this way or that way mm-hmm. for anybody and it's um, it's just becomes a niche you know you just groove into whatever mm-hmm. they no, like yeah, and what yeah, they can yeah. um, what they uh, initiate to and that's how that's what I buy mm-hmm. if you know your customer then you can buy for your customer got it and got you don't it. know your customer unless you're there in the store every day and in the dressing room dressing them and undressing them and seeing and hearing what they say because that's probably extremely good feedback. I mean, hel- helping only, crafting, yeah. helping crafting what you want to do. That's going the forward. only way. You can't, you know, if you don't know that, if you if you're not there and don't know. How much of your buying now, your purchasing, your 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 thought process for the the concept of the store going forward? How much of it is this feel? Because you've been doing it for as long as you have. Yeah. I mean that in a complimentary way. Mm-hmm. Um, how much is feel and how much is it? Did, let me ask you this. Do you ever struggle between what you feel like you what direction you want to go? And then is there ever a, a logical struggle on, well, it might be too edgy. I might sit for a while. Is there always, is always that tug of war between the financial part of it and where you really kind of feel where you want to go? Yes. Yeah, so if you're a, um, if you have any kind of talent or art in you, then you would always want to go to the extreme and you can't so you have to always you can like it and love it and say it's great for me or but you have to be realistic and practical and then you say okay but i'll I'll never sell that you know and that happens (laughs) happens every buy every buy you have to do that okay you know every single buy you, you say that help me understand the process when you buy though i mean are you still going to new york for shows i mean how does how do you operate a year in terms of were you going out and getting exposed to what's going on out there? Um, well, there are shows. Um, there are big shows, like um, maybe maybe seven or eight times a year in New York. Okay. And um, the shows gather designers and merch and um, manufacturers and brands from all over the world. Okay. So people will come in, you know, from China, from Belgium, and maybe it's the first time that we're gonna see their line, and everyone has a booth, and they set it up, and, and you just walk through lines and lines, and, wow. and looking. There are days you could see a million pieces of merchandise. It's just mind-boggling. And yeah, um, so that's how it starts, and, and you you look at each line, and if you like it, if there's something that interests you, it pulls you in. Okay. You know, it, and it is. That's what you're looking for. It's a gut. Yeah. You get pulled in and, oh, it's interesting. Let me, what else do you have? You know, and you just, you're looking and something's making your okay your brain go okay. crazy. And then you just get kind of, um, you delve into the 
different things and, and try to figure how can I make this work to my store. And you start, um, you know, writing. You have to write an order. So mm-hmm, the order mm-hmm. has to be what you're going to buy. And it doesn't come in for maybe six months. Oh, my gosh. So you're looking at something, and it's just one piece. And then there's a swatch of six colors. And you can buy that one thing okay. in six colors. But it's only sampled in one. Oh, my gosh. So it's to conceptualize it, then. It's a it's a long process to go through to to make an order. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you have to think in your mind. Okay. Well, this you know this can, comes in black. It also comes in red, blue, pink, and turquoise. Do I want it just in black? Does it look like a black top? Would I be able to sell the black one? Well, what if it's in turquoise? Do you think I could sell it in turquoise? It's you just talk to yourself like crazy, and then, <laughs> and, and you're you're writing things and it, it's really it, it's like a uh, jigsaw puzzle. And um, so that's how you create an order, and you make sure this goes with that, and this, and each thing that they're in groups of okay. of, of months okay. when they're going to arrive. So if you buy this group now, you know it's going to be red, blue, green, and these things will match, and this jacket will go with that pant. Mm-hmm. And since mm-hmm. I bought that for one month, I know it'll come in together. And then you look at the next month, and you have to create another story. Got it. And then for, you could do it for six months straight. Right. And then it's all in your brain. Because Interesting. Because you never saw all the pieces of it. You just saw maybe a couple samples and, you know, you're you're just creating something in a visual tunnel. And then when it starts coming in, you, it, you know, it's you do give them a date. Sure. Like within a month of when it can sure. be sent. So that's the only thing that keeps you sane. And that's how it works. So then it comes later, you know, maybe four months later, wow. six months. You can get things that are available for right away. Okay. Too, okay. And then sometimes you can get it. Has for, it always been that way? I mean, is yeah. it, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why fashion is always ahead because they're, um, they're prescribing what's going to happen in six months. Got and it. They're showing you things with colors and patterns okay. and styles that you've, you don't know. I mean, right. either you've never seen it or it looks, do, is that a good style for us? I don't know. You think they'll think that'll mm-hmm. sell that month? <laughs> right, right, right. It's a guessing game. <laughs> is it, So Pittsburgh, um, you know, you hear a lot of people talk in different industries about Pittsburgh being behind the curve, comfortably uh, behind the curve. Uh-huh. You know, we're kind of used to it. I knew you were going to say that. Um, no, no, no. no. I, I'm on the fashion industry. I, I have no idea. So I'm really interested yeah. in hmm. If you were to, let's just say in a parallel universe, you were living in New York City. Yeah. And you opened EB Peppers in New York City at mm-hmm. the same time in 87. Ah. Um, yes, some clientele would be different. I'm sure income levels are different there too, generally. Generally. Would there be a huge difference, do you think, between what that would look like as opposed to what, what your store has looked like now, being that the locations are different? Of course. Yeah, location is everything when you're really because you're buying for a customer so and the customers the customer in pittsburgh is a little bit more conservative okay then okay then okay. any That's person after. walking around in um uh, soho you know uh-huh, uh-huh and it depends on what your demographic is so if you have to buy for your demographic my demographic is a lot more conservative than you know soho or the meatpacking district or just anywhere in new york because new york has a huge population right and the amount of people that are likely to be fashionable and buy things 
is larger percent than it is here hmm. because their population is the so draw, big. Yeah, the draw is larger. And they get so much more traffic. Okay. And they have people coming that there are out, out out of towners. People come from all over the world and go up and down the streets of New York City. Got we it. don't have that here, so it's a whole different situation. If you had to, Tourist. if you had to just give your opinion of what they're like, let's say the top five fashion cities in the country. Can I guess them and you tell me if I'm right? And you, I yeah. would say New York, L.A. Yeah. I would throw Miami in there. Is uh, that right or yeah, not? Probably what, not. Could I throw Chicago in there? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Dallas, maybe? Mm, Dallas, no. Well, San Fran. Uh, San Fran's pretty good. There's parts of it that's that's very conservative and part that are okay. more advanced. Um, Still pretty much L.A. and New York. Mostly. L.A. and New York. Let me think who else. And then, and then it also depends on what kind of look you're looking for, so... If you're talking about high-end designer looks, you can find that in okay. you know almost any state now because of malls. But um, yeah, New York and LA are usually they have the most people that will that are likely to buy fashionable things. Okay. Yeah. So here's a big broad question for you because <laughs> I and I really really am fascinated about this. Have First off, in your career, have you stayed on the on the female side, l women's clothing, or have you also done work for men's clothing? Both. Okay, we're yeah. gonna talk about that. Yeah. But what are the big differences yeah. between the big concept difference mm -hmm. between buying for female a female store and then yeah. buying for a men's store? Mm-hmm. That. Because we get shortchanged quite a bit, I feel like we, you know, we you, don't, we do. don't have as many options. That's that's the way the business works. It's, Am I right though? Yes, it's it's um that's how they made it. So a man's business, the men's business, the turnover is slower. So you can have the same things in your store. Maybe you only turn it over say two or three times a year. Which okay. Means you you would sell everything and get new and sell it and get new th right, right, maybe right. three times a year. Okay. Women's it's like five times. We have more deliveries and more um, fashion coming in more often because it's women are so much more. Uh, I think fashion means more to women in general than men. Yeah, but emotionally. Oh. Women are, are I can't answer that question. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like a, a feeling. You come you, well, you go more, out. We're more emotional. They're attached but, you know, to you, it. You shop because of uh, emotional feelings. You go shopping more Women often. are more impulse buyers. That's what I was trying Would to you, say. Am I right? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Women are will shop for impulse because Especially they feel like shoes. It. <laughs> 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 well, that's a big one. The clothing too, you know, if you they're not having a good day, they right. call it um Oh, retail uh, therapy. Retail therapy. I'm coming out. I've had a bad day every time. I need retail therapy, and and that I wish they would just choose new lipstick for retail therapy, but apparently <laughs> they buy clothing and shoes too. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the best. <laughs> it feels the best for some reason. I'm happy about that. Oh, absolutely right. You be peppers, you better be. <laughs> but that's why the men don't. They don't have a, a, as many times. They don't shop impulsively very much, so their selection becomes a, less mm -hmm. that's all they come out more for neat where women come out for got it. gut you know they, got it they 
snapshot. What's your thoughts on the major publications? Are they still relevant today? The female fashion publications, are they still as relevant today as they were 30 years ago? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why I asked that question. I've had a a guest on here, a friend of mine, George Lang. He's a- uh, I know him. Do you know George? Love George. Mm -hmm. And George does a lot of work for Condé Nast in New York. And and he mentioned that, you know, uh, they're still very viable companies. But the magazine subscription and that whole trend-setting thing is not what it was. I picked up GQ the other day for the first time in probably 10 years. I was a very religious GQ subscriber going back to the late 70s. Mm -hmm. And I would just envy, like, Bally shoes, things Mm -hmm. I could never afford. But the the marketing was slick, but the the product was great. And I wonder, you know, with this Internet age, a teenager like myself – that like the you know that really was interested to some degree in men's fashion. The outlet's different now. You, like you said, there's this is immediacy. Do you think the the Vogue magazines? Do you think the magazines that are that are being heavily advertised by fashion merchants is it still relevant today? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, not as relevant because there's so many other forms of media, but it's. It's exciting. It's just not like it used to be, but it is still exciting just to see something in your hand. Like if you're looking at a book, you know, it's more exciting to see it sure. in your hand in person mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. look at it for as long as you want to look at it. And, right. And then see page after page. It's, it's. I think it, it creates a, a better, um, in, um, it creates a better picture in your mind when you look from page to page because these are all the highest I would agree. Fashions in the world that are showing their things for this season. So mm-hmm. you get an imprint more by looking at a magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just all, it just forms an imprint of what the season's like. Could be a color, could be a shape, it could be, and like I said, it'll be more extreme mm-hmm. than you'll want usually, but you'll that's the way to get your mind set and ready for the fashions so let's there's a lot of psychology in that yeah, marketing yeah, i yeah, mean yeah, you're preparing yeah. you're, you're th- like you're you said preparing the customer preparing them you're throwing the, the most extreme version of something mm-hmm. out preparing them. this is the direction it's going mm-hmm. so when you see a pared down version of that yeah. you go buy it yeah you like in you can wear i you say i'll never wear that and then when you see it edited down and what did they take out of that crazy they took the print the print is really pretty Gosh. and it was made you know in a, a, a conventional way not you know outrageous and then you have something there because the print is what they're trying to put out there right? mm-hmm. the color or the, mm-hmm. so yeah. are seasonal themes still relevant today like they were you know no oh, yeah okay so that that hasn't been destroyed by the internet then no no, it's funny because you have to buy, you have to buy what your store can sell in the season that it's in. So, for instance, if I'm going to be buying next week for things that are coming in four months from then, mm-hmm. I don't want to buy the wrong season. Got I have it. To figure out in my head what, yeah. So everyone has to have clothes in their store that represent the season that that we're in. Got it. Because everyone wants something now, like they have to. It, you just want to buy it and wear it, and if it's not there, and if you think if it's there and you can't wear it for four months, you know, snowing outside and there's a you know a, a summer dress, 
it's just going to sit there. It's just, no, I get it. I know from, from, it from, from a real from retail standpoint, I totally understand. Yeah. To the, now here's the difference: New York City, yeah. uh, Four Seasons, L.A., one. Mm-hmm. Miami, one. Mm-hmm. Very much one there. So they have to buy totally differently. I bet. Yeah. And they they buy a little bit for for tourists, but they have to you know know who. What percent right. of their customers, people that live there. So it comes back to know your customer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, that's the whole thing. <laughs> so would you say that for a female, the four seasons are wonderful in regards to the winter. There's generally more clothing on for warmth and may, more opportunity for expression maybe? We love winter. We love fall and winter. <laughs> I figured that out on my own, too. <laughs> Fashion people love fall and winter because you can layer like crazy. Okay. You know, you're just not okay. going to wear a dress, and that's it. Or you're you're going to wear some pants and a sure. sweater and maybe yeah. a shirt under it, and you might need a jacket to wear over that, and then you need some fur pieces to accentuate everything, and then you need the coat to put over it, and it just becomes more dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, more no, dollars no, in the that. register. Yeah. And it's, it, that's our favorite time of year not only because it, it you create more dollars but people like buying more things it's more fun you know it's it's, a, it's more it's, you can do more, more interchangeability is that correct yeah yeah but it's just more creativity in your head to think that you can oh i can wear you know a sweater when you're going to put a bunch of things together mm-hmm. and you can still wear them all together you you and you need help uh-huh. Do you feel you're a curator? Is that a good oh, answer? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so let me ask about that. So whether you're an artist, because uh, what I think you're doing by deciding that I'm going to, I feel that these five pieces go together in this ensemble and I want to put it out there for sale, mm-hmm. That's that to me is really art. There's mm-hmm. an art form to that. <laughs> so being that it's an art form, I ask you my question that I ask all artists on here. Is there ever how, how how strong is that element of risk, and is there ever any concern that it's going to flop? At everything, every time, really, you just always, it's always on your brain. Those two things. That's what you have to. It's a gamble. I'm gambling that in six months you're going to want to wear bright gold, and wow. it has to be this length, and you're going to want the waist to be this way and the shoulders to be that way. And who am I to know? I don't know. They're showing me things, and they look pretty, and they, and I have to feel it, and I get a sense. And if it feels right, then I go with the gamble. Got it. <laughs> and then Got if it. you see it more and more, then you kind of realize that everyone's showing that look, so you have to until you move into it. But um, it, it's a gamble. It's just a gamble. The whole thing's but a gamble. But it has to be ultimately <laughs> very satisfying, too, when you see that it goes over. And oh, are, yeah, are, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's the juice of it all. That's yeah, the excitement of it all. Yeah, the best prize is when they buy what you bought, when people like what you've picked as your assortment for the store. Because there's a little bit of you in that ensemble, right? Right, I mean, that's, yeah, so that's, that's the exciting part. That gives you a lot of uh, gratification. And then when they don't, you take it personally, and you think, you know. <laughs> I mean, one, one day you have, here's the same store with the same stuff in it mm-hmm. right and one day everyone comes in and they love everything everything you show them I, I'll, I'll take that what can i wear how can how can i get this do you have this can and the, everyone's it's it's funny it's either one way or the other and so that day you're a queen got it and then the next day you have the same exact store and selections <laughs> selections the same and then everyone that comes in says mm, no nah, i don't think so 
I'll think about it. <laughs> um, do you have another color? <laughs> you know, um, I don't like this this sleeve. I don't like this shoulder. Do you have things that you know don't have this sleeve and that shoulder? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? <laughs> Yesterday I was a queen. Today I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you just you just need a drink. <laughs> I understand. I understand. You know. That's why we drink on this show. <laughs> mm, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, and from it's, day to day. I bet. It really it just really screws with my mentality. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't I seem take it to, personally. But you don't seem the type. Yeah, but you don't seem to at least in this short time we've been together. You don't seem the type of person that has your confidence shake very often. No, you do. I'm just saying, not not in general confidence, but just for the day. Okay. Every day you think I'm a I'm a queen or a piece of shit, and then sometimes you're in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, you don't. You. Do you have course. clients that come in um, that come to you and say? So I'm going to this event on this date. This is the type of event it is. This is where it's going to be. This is the uh, this is the essence of what's going to happen. I need some help. Every day. So they're buying for an event. Uh, see, see that's the difference between men and women, right? Yes. Men will buy see? a suit that they hope we can wear about 100 times. I know. Women, that's, why they don't, that's why they don't offer as many clothes to men because men just seem to not need or want interesting new things for every event and do you have a thought on why that is well because it's all about the women it's all about how the women look you're right well you're <laughs> right about that yeah right about that but we, we got that. that's the truth I, she naomi she's right <laughs> i can't even argue with that's that what that i always all, say yeah. to my fiance uh, i say, do i look okay i said oh yeah you look really good but it's all about me anyway you can wear anything you want <laughs> yeah i've heard that a few times in my life not always, but we tease about that. But it is all about the woman. And the woman can't wear the same thing to an event the next time because everyone is, the, the attention is on the woman. So why is that, though? Because you hear that, that so that's, so Just, those are catchphrases in fashion. We're going to talk about a few more I have for you. Mm -hmm. But that's one of them. Well, I can't that, wear the same thing twice. Uh, yeah, because they buy of, a dress, mm -hmm. and then there's another gala, even like a month later. And I used to, what I used to hear was, well, you know, I know it's a different social circle, Eric, but there may, you know, there may be crossover. I am one or two people there may be say crossover. they saw. That, well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Who wants to be caught embarrassing dead? Who want, what girl wants to be caught dead in the same outfit? Yeah, that's a Twice. thing. That's a thing, isn't it? That's a thing. But you don't really buy it to never wear it again, ever? Well, I mean, you say in the dressing room, this is what they say. Well, I can wear it to this, to this wedding because it's in Florida, <laughs> and then I have another event that I can wear it to in Pittsburgh. Oh my! And I know it's not the same people. Then, then they buy it because they know they can have two events for it. But it, this is how you think. You, this is wow. the process in wow. your brain, and it really is real. I guess so. It, so it's a real thing. It's that, that's real. not. I think that cliche is a real thing. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, and, and are there still fast and and solid rules about fashion? I mean, let me give you an example of what the stuff I heard growing up. You know, you couldn't wear white after a certain men and women. I was told yeah. outside of a white dress shirt. I was told you as a man mm -hmm. you can't wear white after a certain date. Um, you know, bright red shoes are only for women are only suitable for certain events. I mean. Uh, you know, I I don't know. Are there are there any are, are rules pretty much gone now? Uh, or, or we 
Because okay. women are harsh. They critique each other pretty heavily. That's right. Um, we, we've we kind of put all those cliches in the past. Okay. And we just, um, and if you're in fashion or if you're creative enough, you will be able to make it work for you. If you think that it's not right to wear white after Memorial Day, okay. then you won't. But there's white jeans. People wear them all year round. But yeah, not, not always in Pittsburgh because we have snow and it's ah, so white okay. jeans okay. in LA and and in Miami in the winter normal is a blue jean, you know. So who knows where you're living and someone's looking at you in a yeah. but it it depend that was a cliche, but it's not so much now the white thing. The biggest the biggest one, the biggest cliche that I come up against is you can never wear white to a wedding. I've heard that. Never. Multiple times. Yes. Is that I, true? It's so true that I can't sell white dresses in the winter. I mean, in the summer. What's your personal feelings on that? I, I, I think people people do it as a respect, out of respect for the bride. They don't want to um, get someone confused. and Providing the bride's wearing white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they know the bride's not wearing white, then you know anything goes. But that's especially in Pittsburgh, it's a really big a catchphrase they just not even like a white background dress interesting yeah they're very very clear about that i've been you know i've learned well for so, funerals not to bring the, the timber black, timber, but always black always black i mean it's still a thing yes okay yes i was uh, always uh, worried about my tie I, I always had a blacker suit or two for that occasion alone but i was always concerned concerned on the tie front because I, I used to like vibrant ties. I did. Yeah, well, I didn't going. have really any funeral ties. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and you that needed was, one. I got one. I was told after being at a funeral and being like embarrassed by people, that's uh-huh. a pretty vibrant tie for a funeral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, that, but that, that's a cliche that, needs, that really should be adhered to, right? And yes, it's a somber. And, you need to look like you're somber. And somber means dark colors and, you know, not bright colors. Before you started, to take a little bit of a left turn, before you started your own business, mm-hmm. um, you worked for, was it was it Kaufman's? Mm-mm. You did you did Kaufman's, you did Kaufman's and, and Scoop while you were, had no. your own business? How does no, no, that, no, 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 that no. fit in? I'm confused. When Enlighten I was, me. Okay. When I was in college, I worked at Scoop, which yes. was the first co-ed boutique in the city of Pittsburgh. Right. And we had men's on one side and women's on the other. And I remember we had, it well, South Hills Village. Okay, and we were we had the hottest jean lines, whatever they were. We had the hottest trends, the fastest fashion, what whatever everyone wanted right. was there. It was trendy, and and it was fun because you you know you could go in with a as a couple and two of you can shop, and whatever. So that's where I started. I started at that time. Okay. Well, I was in high school, and I briefly worked at other boutiques before that, but this was the most meaningful. And as soon as I graduated college, I was so interested while I was there working. Where'd you go to school? I went to um, Chatham. Okay. And what was your major? My major was education and business. Okay. So, um, you know, while I was going to school full-time, I was working full-time, at, at the boutique because okay. I just, you know, I loved it. Okay. And um, before I graduated, they said, you know, I said, I want to be a buyer at this 
boutique. This is what I want to do. I'm you in made college. a decision. This is what I'm you want. I'm in college, and when I graduate, I want to be considered okay for a buyer here. So they did. I was, you know, very involved there, and they they hired me as assistant buyer first, and and um, you know, then a buyer, and so that's where I started, and that's where okay. I think my biggest. Um, uh, what's the word? Impression. I had my biggest impression. We'll talk about that, though. What, what, when it I was the there. era? Was it, was it the styles this that was, were going on? <laughs> yeah, that was everything. Um, this was, I guess, early 70s. Right. And it was it was a fun time for fashion. You know? Yeah. And yeah. we're wearing... I don't know. There were some platform shoes, three-piece suits, uh-huh. satin things, the, the French, European um, designers were making a name for themselves. Men were very into fashion at that point, and and women too. So I remember polyester and mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Is that right? <laughs> do you remember Nick Nick shirts? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, we sold Nick Nick shirts yes. like they were. Yes, out of stuff. very wide lapels. Yeah, wide lapels and three-piece suits. Yes. You know, John yes. Travolta. So yeah. um, anyway, so at Scoop, <laughs> the owner of Scoop um, was a man that had just sold a big chain of stores called Foxmore Casuals, which was a, a mall store that women went to. Foxmore. He sold them. Okay. And he was only, I think, 54. And he wow. was kind of bored he didn't know what else to do so he decided to start this you know trendy stores called scoop Got it. and he was such a visual he, uh, he, he had such vision and he was really sharp and he demanded just the best of everything okay and very high high expectations and of, of and that was good that for you to for see him. It's good for you to it see. It was so enlightening. Mm-hmm. So when I started to work there, that's what I learned. It was that was the biggest life lesson in my life, and um, he he just put it in our minds that we would only carry the best, and we would only um, show to people what is the best in the world, and that and that's how it had to be. So we were paid as buyers. To go to New York, okay, and to bring home anything in New York, whatever fashion was out there. This is before internet. Whatever was going on there, whatever vibe, we were paid to figure it out, buy it, and bring it back to the store. Okay, and show Pittsburgh. Okay, okay. So that, so that was, was a tr- so that was, for for this town. That was a very trend-setting spot. It was, and that's because he. He started that. I mean, he was a what's it called? Innovator. Like innovator. Yeah, and he saw the vision, the big vision down the down the way. So that's what we did. We were, you know, we we had to go. So we would go to the store called um, Fiorucci. Okay. Okay. And when you go to Fiorucci, uh, all the the salespeople were on roller skates, and the floors were wood. So this really? was yes. So this was fascinating. <laughs> so, of course, we came home and we changed all of our floors at Scoop to wood, and we started selling roller skates. Then all of the people that worked there had to wait on people on roller skates. Incredible. So, and the buyers had the same thing. So we would go, okay. and it was so much fun, and you know, it was just crazy, right? Yeah, crazy. That's, that's quite different. Yeah, it was fun. You that get fun. To skate and wait on people, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was 
one of the first innovative things. Um, we when we went to New York, we had an apartment there. He kept an apartment for us because we were there so often. Wow! And um, and we would go to Studio Fifty Four every night. <laughs> Now I'm getting a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, where do you want to eat tonight? So, what's your thoughts of that place? Your any any uh, unique memories of that place? Uh, yeah, that you can share. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was. I gotta have some wine now. You mentioned Studio Fifty Four. You okay over there? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Are you sure you don't want any over there? Okay. <laughs> but. So we would work really hard all day and go, you know, to millions of places and and find like the coolest thing we could find. Sure. And and, um, and then we'd go at times to certain stores that were on the cutting edge, and we'd go there and see what they were doing right, and what they had, right, and, right, right, right. And, and copy whatever they that we saw that was you know unique and different, and try to get brands that they had. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we would go to dinner. And the apartment was right on Lincoln Center, um, Upper Upper West Side. Wow. And it wasn't developed yet. It was very seedy back then. This is in the mm-hmm. 70s. Mm-hmm. And um, so across, right across from us was Tavern on the Green. Mm-hmm. Tavern on the Green was a place you went to be seen. It was so beautiful. Right. It was all windows. Yeah. It was in the middle of um, yeah. um, uh, uh, Central Park. Mm-hmm. And it was just beautiful so you love new york city yeah but that was something so that was close to our our apartment so we'd say we'd come home from work and be like, all right where do you want to go eat well let's just go to tavern on the green you know it's close this is what we this is how it was awesome. so we would just you know either gear up and look prettier or spritz ourselves and right. i don't know put our leather jeans on. and then we'd go to tavern on the green and it was so great because you could see everyone there, uh-huh. and it was such a good people place. And I could see all the fashions, and we could eat, right, you know, right, lots of great stuff. Right. And then when we were done there eating, we would say, "Okay, well, we if it's you know we got to wait till around twelve, and then we'll go to Studio Fifty Four. <laughs> so then four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, you're going back. So we you would start go all over again. Well, we would go. And, but that's not a place you can just walk in, you know. Right. There was that red rope. But you already get in there. There was the red rope. So you had to either look, I don't know, the right way or mm-hmm. be with the right person. Mm-hmm. or. And so, fashion didn't hurt you there. No, you had to be. Had, right. Had to be. But right. just because we looked, uh, there were times they just overlooked us. You know, they would just say, no. Uh, they don't even say no. They just make you stand. You had to stand there, and they'd look around, look around the crowd, look and see who's coming. These are the 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 what are they called? Bouncers. Yeah, or, the bouncers. Yeah, yeah. And then if someone came, they were trained. As soon as a limousine would pull up, they'd go, "Come on, come on!" And they'd go right through the crowds, and we'd all stand, be standing there, like, "Why can't we get in?" <laughs> the key might have been to rent a limousine just to bring you there. <laughs> that was. We figured that one out for a while. Well, I've I've actually spoken to some rock musicians from the '70s who were unable to get in once in a we were while, just talking regardless about that. of uh, mm-hmm. you know who they were. We were just talking depending about on the night. That. You mm-hmm. just don't know who the can bouncer get in. was. Totally up to the bouncer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I had one of the buyers that at Scoop that was um, a buyer with me. She was very tall and she had real long legs. So whenever we wanted to go to Studio 54, we'd say, Sue, put on your over-the-knee boots. So she put on these over-the-knee boots and a mini skirt, and, and she would be, we'd come up in the cab, and she'd go like this. 
That's great. And they'd say, you. That's, that's so we'd great. all come running in. That is great. That, <laughs> that is was our great. trick. That is great. <laughs> and then after a while, we had we had them believing that she was um, Caroline Kennedy. That got us in, too. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Just the illusion. So it was stuff like that. And then and um, that's how we saw, you know, what was in style and wow. what was going on and what was cool. That whole, that whole era is cool, though. It had so, to be amazing time so in New much, York. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was yeah. really... And we were in our 20s, you know, it was just in our 20s. We were right in the thick of everything. Can I ask you about your, uh, <laughs> your Kaufman's time? Horns. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so I was at Scoop for, I don't know, maybe six years. I I bought various different departments and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, it was a lot of responsibility. We had five stores and it was... We had a big budget, and um, it's a big coming, workload. Big mm, work, big workload for you. Big workload, but also a responsibility of a lot of money and a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stores, and a very demanding boss. I bet. So um, I was coming home from a show on the airplane one day, and there were these people in a suit on the airplane. You know, suits and very proper, and I got somehow sat in between the vice president and the divisional of horns really yeah and so here i was i used to have very curly hair and i'm like curly crazy hair and i had a jumpsuit on and i was like keep up and doing my thing and they started talking to me and they were just you know fascinated they were like what is this creature (laughs) so different than anyone they knew and you know i told them what i did and who i was and this and that and they said we would love to have you come to Horns and start a contemporary department for us. Right there on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's so, impressive. Yeah. So I said, "Oh well, I don't know. You know, I have an apartment in New York. I have a responsibility. I, I don't know my." And they said, "Well, come and talk to us. You know, this week." So I said, oh, "Okay, I'll go down and talk to them." So we had our office was um, downtown Fifth Avenue scoop and horns was just down the road so i so i put on a suit kind of like a jacket and pants that day and came to work and my boss said to me so evie what's going on you going to a bar mitzvah (laughs) 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 and i said oh no just you know new look (laughs) oh my then i went down to my interview and um so you know they asked me to to come work for them and they wanted and we worked it out and my boss, though, from Scoop, he was always uh, traveling. So okay. at the time, he was in, was he in Israel or Paris. I don't remember which. Okay. But he was abroad. And I was, like, next in line. And um, so I wanted to, you know, switch jobs, but I had no one to quit to. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, you so. made up your mind that day after meeting with them? That was what you wanted to do? Yeah. Well, the, the next day or two, they made yeah, me yeah, an yeah. offer. And it was, you know, it was appealing. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, I need... It's time to change, you know. How, how different was the horns experience oh, though, from the scoop? It was just like going from, you know, pumpernickel to white bread. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my that's what I suspected. <laughs> so you had to just basically change. I didn't. They wanted me to be the contemporary buyer. I had to enlighten them. And they gave the latitude. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Good for you. So it was a great experience. And Good for you. It was, so it was very exciting. And it was cool because I couldn't do anything wrong. They just wanted me to teach them. 
and yeah, yeah. you know they needed fashion and they needed direction and they wanted you know someone that could do that and how many uh, years there i think i was there six years yeah and um and then at that point i'm like i i should i i need my own store already you know right I'm buying for everybody I, i've been doing this and i've and i still you know i'm still in the same doing the same kind of concept right i should do it for myself i've always right. wanted to do it for myself so there was a man that owned a lot of stores on walnut street right. shady side and that was walter blattner an old timer mm-hmm. and whenever i would see him you know, in New York or the airport. Walter, do you have any stores available? Do you have any open spaces? I'd like my own store. And I've said that to him for like three years. And finally okay. one day he said, I have an opportunity for you. <laughs> nice. And I said, you do? He said, yeah, come see me tomorrow. So, and there was a store mm-hmm. available. So I jumped on it. Did you uh, start AB Pepper and still work at Horns for a period of time? No, no. Cold no, break no. and do it. Yeah, I... I I, I was very involved with horns. They were so good to me. Mm-hmm. I, I trained my assistant sure. to take over my position. Okay. And she had it. She was smart and she was fashionable and, and she could do it. So I trained her and they knew I was leaving and they gave me time and, you know, everything because they didn't want to be well, sure. held in the clutch No, either. that makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. And they were, yeah, so that's what happens. And. <laughs> You remember your first day when you opened the doors? I, first day? I had to take a Valium the first day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting, though. I mean, you went you went from a corporate environment right into entrepreneurship right away, huh? Right, and I really had to go back to the honing skills of my boutique days. Interesting. Okay. And that was so important that I had that I because bet. that was the basis of what I was going to be doing. I had to be able to, you know, create something and make it the best. Um, you know, follow the desire of making but, it. But here's here's my question for you, being, being that you have to then set up, you, you, obviously you knew everybody in the business, so it probably wasn't hard to start your own relationships with them, with e, with the, your company. Mm-hmm. But there still had to be, when you open your doors day one, like what was in the store? Like Here's the thing. When you get a store, you have to buy inventory. Right. So yeah, you need money. Right. And you need a lot of money to fill right. a store. I bet. People just don't I bet. let you have, you know, yeah. so Did stuff. you open day one pretty much fully stocked? Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yeah. So I, I, I borrowed 25000 from my parents, right. 25000 right. from my in-laws, right. 25000 from my accountant, 25000 from a friend. Got it all together and, you know, just said they knew me and they knew that I, yeah. my yeah. background. And they were nice enough to do it. and and so that's what you have to do and then you from there you have to hope and pray to god that you sell something so you can pay people back and pay your bills uh-huh, uh-huh. and that was that's that's how it's could weird. anything in your prior past have prepared you for entrepreneurship or did you did you kind of take to it pretty well no i was always responsible for my own department no matter where so you I ran worked. your own kind of your own p and l that's a huge benefit yes. yeah absolutely. without that there's no i don't know how people think that they can just open a store that's i mean if you don't important. have any financial understanding behind it or any um just knowledge of how how to flow money i, I don't like know business how. acumen almost if you don't have that it's very difficult you yes I mean, that's where the people that go out of business usually because they just thought it was a good idea like that, but that was um that's how that all 
uh, transpired, and I really... So uh, luckily I was successful because I knew a little bit of something. You know. I think you've been very successful. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to say that, but no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to say it because uh, I can't find anyone in this town that doesn't know your store. Uh, that's because I've been there so long. I keep telling <laughs> that's you. That's a good thing, though. It's a good thing, and you're and you're at the right spot. For would you not agree? For the type of merchandise yeah, you're selling, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're in the right spot. Yeah. Now, right now in Shadyside, I think the most independently owned stores are on our street in the city. Right. You, know, you can't find another street in the city where you'll find as many independently mm -hmm. owned stores, mm -hmm. you know, in the shopping area. Uh, we have, you know, um, um, mall stores that come, but that they increase. It's okay. They increase the appeal. Sure. Sometimes they decrease it, and sometimes they don't stay because they're used to having so much volume. They're good, good, used to. Very good point. Why did you not take men's clothing on, E.B., along with women? <laughs> Why did you only do women's clothing? Men always ask me that question, and I was a men's buyer at one time. I know. That's why I'm asking Why? <laughs> because there's a show for women's, and then there's a show for men's, and I'm only one person. Double work. Double <laughs> and I work. can't be in two places at once, and you wouldn't be able to do the job. It wouldn't be... You wouldn't be able to complete it unless there was another person to do it, and that's a whole different. You have to have, you know, a whole different schedule in your head, and then this is another schedule. Okay. And it was it's just too much. Work. It was just yeah, it was too much, and I, and the men's business really isn't as uh, fruitful because of the reason, like you said, it only men don't buy as much as women. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So that it's easier to buy for women. <laughs> And I'm a woman. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I want to thank you. Oh, this was great. Really? <laughs> yes, it was really great. And I know that you had some apprehension in the I beginning. Did. I still do. But it, oh my gosh, you can't. I mean, it was wonderful. <laughs> thank you. I Thanks. appreciate you sharing. Thanks for. I mean, plying I, me. And I like. <laughs> and and I want you. To, I'm going to put a little nugget in your back of your mind. I would love that for you to come back. Thanks. And I yeah, and I I, I think like um to. I'd I, like to come with the mother and daughter and yeah and the Duffy the Duffy women would love mm -hmm. to be on here I, I I didn't want to uh, try to move our date initially because I wanted you to do a show with me mm -hmm. so you, so you got acclimated and, mm -hmm. and comfortable with mm -hmm. it but if 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 it would suit you I know they would love and and their questions are going to be way better than mine because they're coming <laughs> at it from a female perspective too Yeah. but they're big admirers of you oh, and your store oh, that's so, so if we can make that happen in the near future you know okay. if you have time I'll, I'll I'll work out the logistics I'd love but, to, to be with them that sounds great yeah, yeah. but thank you so much I mean, thank you this for means the world me. to me oh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I appreciate it all right EB Pepper <laughs> thank you <laughs> Thank you so much. God bless.